achievement of his high school years when he had been a popular and creative leader among students. But now those youthful hopes seemed far away. Standing on the bridge, he muttered, Is this all there is? Where is my life going? He silently vowed to do something to escape the ennui that threatened to suffocate him. While not quite on par with Edward Gibbon's famous reverie amid the ruins of Rome that prompted him to write the history of the decline and fall of the Roman Empire, even though critics would later accuse Hefner of starting just such a process of degeneration in the United States, this episode marked a turning point in the young man's life. A few weeks later, he started his own magazine. The results would be stunning. Within fifteen years... Hefner and Playboy had taken the country by storm. From its modest beginnings in Chicago, the magazine grew spectacularly into a multi-million dollar enterprise with a circulation of some five million readers by the late 1960s and seven million by the early 1970s. The Playboy empire expanded to include clubs, resorts, music, films, television shows, and a wide array of merchandise. Even more, Like Coca-Cola or Mickey Mouse, the magazine's ubiquitous bunny logo became an international symbol of American life. During the Vietnam War in 1969, for instance, American soldiers were amused to find a dog-eared copy of Playboy in a captured North Vietnamese bunker. Hefner's vision of the good life, it seemed, had even piqued the imagination, or at least the libidos, of hardened communist revolutionaries. Hefner himself became a media darling. By the mid-1960s, he had graced the cover of Time magazine and been featured prominently in other publications such as Life, Look, and the Saturday Evening Post. He appeared as a frequent guest on popular television programs such as The Tonight Show with Johnny Carson, The Dick Cavett Show, and Rowan and Martin's Laugh-In. Dozens of newspaper articles and interviews explored his social views and supplied salacious details of his outlandish love life, including the shifting bevy of girlfriends, the revolving round bed where he worked and cavorted, and the glass-walled, bathing-suits-optional swimming pool with a bar built alongside. More significantly, however, Hefner also emerged as a serious shaper of, and commentator on, modern American values. In 1967, for instance, he appeared on an NBC primetime special exploring America's burgeoning culture of leisure and affluence. Sitting in the library of the Playboy Mansion alongside the noted Harvard theologian Harvey Cox and William F. Buckley, the prominent conservative editor of the National Review, he discussed Americans' growing interest in what the show called The Pursuit of Pleasure. Puffing on his trademark pipe and speaking with smooth self-assurance, he argued that an older, religious basis for morality had faded, and values needed to be reformulated on a more rational basis to promote the happiness of individuals. The genuine enjoyment of life in modern America, he insisted, demanded liberated sexuality and enthusiastic, sophisticated consumption. Holding his own with these intellectual heavyweights, Hefner came across, in the words of the moderator, as the chairman Mao of the sexual revolution, issuing maxims for moral guerrilla warfare. In other words, within a few years of starting Playboy on a shoestring after begging and borrowing a few thousand dollars, Hefner became a serious, influential figure in modern culture. 
Yet the question of how and why the publisher of a risque men's magazine was able to garner such influence and even prestige has perplexed many observers. Understanding comes with the realization that over the last half-century, Hefner has played a key role in changing American values, ideas, and attitudes. From the beginning, his enterprise was about more than dirty pictures, more than a girly magazine hastily slipped under an overcoat by a guilty purchaser. It was a historical force of significant proportions. Most obviously, Hefner and Playboy served as a barometer gauging the pressures of historical changes in America over a half-century. In the 1950s, the magazine reflected hip, urban dissatisfaction with the stodgy conformism of the Eisenhower era as it critiqued middle-class suburbanism, the Beat Generation, and the Cold War crusade against communism.